I'm Emily Kate, and this is We the Voters. Hi, and welcome to the fifth episode of the We the Voters podcast. It's a podcast where I take hot topics in U.S. culture and break them down from opposite opinions. I'm your host, Emily Kate Topchesky. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief at We the Voters, which is basically a fancy way of saying that this project is just me, so I wear a lot of hats. I'm a podcaster, an editor, a producer, a writer, a filmmaker, a photographer, a web designer, a travel coordinator, a social media manager, and the list goes on. We the Voters began in 2019 when I set off on the road to understand the ways U.S. citizens are more alike than different. This podcast is my next step in bridging the ways we listen and talk about the other side, no matter what side you're on. So if you're a new listener, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the energy sector in the U.S., In recent years, this part of the business sector has come under greater scrutiny as evidence strengthens about climate change. Big questions are being asked. What does the energy sector look like today? How stable is the energy sector in the U.S.? And how should energy look in the future? In the next hour, I'll be walking you through each of these questions, taking myths apart and finding the facts. Then I'll do the same while addressing the future of energy from two opposing opinions. Is the future of energy in traditional sources? Or should the U.S. invest in alternative energy instead? Let's get to it. To talk about the energy sector, let's start by defining the energy sector. For the sake of clarity in today's episode, we're going to define the energy sector to include three sources, traditional, nuclear, and alternative. Traditional energy sources are fossil fuels, namely oil, natural gas, and coal. Fossil fuels are non-renewable. They are extracted from the land made from buried fossils that are millions of years old. Oil serves more than a third of the U.S. energy needs. It is accessed by drilling, both on land and at sea, and by strip mining. After it's extracted, it's made into gas, propane, kerosene, and jet fuel, as well as plastics and paint. Natural gas also serves about a third of U.S. energy needs. It is largely extracted by drilling, either through standard methods or fracking. It is the largest source of electricity in this country, and the U.S. has been the world's top producer of natural gas since 2009. Coal serves 11% of U.S. energy needs. It's extracted by underground mining and strip mining, primarily in states like Wyoming, West Virginia, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania. Coal helps fuel electricity across the U.S. Now, nuclear electric power has both renewable and non-renewable elements. While the power itself is renewable, the factories used to produce it require non-renewable energy to run. The U.S. operates the most nuclear reactors, it has the largest nuclear power capacity, and it generates the most nuclear power in the world. It contributes to 8% of U.S. energy needs. When we talk about alternative energy, we're talking about renewable resources. This is also called clean energy. They come largely from natural sources or processes that are constantly being replenished. This includes geothermal, solar, hydroelectric, wind, and biomass energy. In total, renewable energy serves about 11% of U.S. energy needs. Geothermal energy harnesses the Earth's core. It involves drilling deep wells to bring underground water to the surface, which is then transformed into electricity. It makes up about 2% of the renewable energy used in the U.S. Solar energy is used to heat homes and businesses, warm water, and power devices. According to the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, quote, more energy from the sun falls upon the earth in one hour than is used by everyone in the world in one year, unquote. It makes up about 9% of the renewable energy used nationwide. 
Hydroelectric or hydropower energy converts water, mainly from a large river or high point, into electricity through turbine blades. It makes up about 22% of the renewable energy used in the U.S. Wind is used to produce energy from turbines that stand tall and wide across the country. Studies have shown it has become the cheapest energy source in many parts of the country, and it makes up about a quarter of renewable energy used in the U.S. Biomass energy includes biomass waste, biofuels, wood, and ethanol. It is made from organic material from plants and animals, which is then burned to create electricity via a steam turbine. As a whole, biomass energy makes up about 43% of the renewable energy used in the U.S. As a whole, the U.S. is a leader in energy production, supply, and consumption. In 2019, the U.S. consumed 100.2 quadrillion BTUs of energy across these three source groups. In 2018, the U.S. energy sector was valued at $350 billion, the second largest in the world. Energy companies transmit, distribute, and store energy through complex infrastructure networks across the country. More than 80% of the energy infrastructure is owned by the private sector. This infrastructure supplies fuel, electricity, and other energy needed to make this country run. The U.S. currently stands at a crossroads on how to address powering the country moving forward. Some are calling for more investment in traditional energy, tapping into new natural lands to further energy independence. Others call for an investment in alternative energies, saying it creates jobs and protects the climate. Because this is We the Voters, we'll be talking about both sides of this issue in this episode. But first, I want to ground our discussion with the history of the energy sector. By understanding where we come from, it's easier to understand where we are and consider where to go from here. Energy is intrinsic to human life, but for the sake of brevity in today's episode, we'll be talking about the energy sector as it began when the first Europeans settled in the U.S. in the early 17th century. In 1626, French explorers discovered Native Americans burning gases which seeped into and around Lake Erie. Almost 50 years later, coal was first discovered in 1673 along the Illinois River in northern Illinois, but it was not produced commercially until 1748 near Richmond, Virginia. Mines began spreading throughout Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, and West Virginia beginning in 1750. Coal from these mines was used to make ammunition and other military materials before, during, and after the Revolutionary War. In 1752, Benjamin Franklin tied a key to a kite during a thunderstorm. This experiment proved that static electricity and lightning were the same thing, and it laid the groundwork for harnessing electricity as energy in the U.S. In the 1800s, the railroad industry began growing popularity. Coal was the primary fuel used to power these trains, which then became a vital link between mines and markets where the material was sold. People in this century also used gas primarily as a lighting fuel. Most gas produced was manufactured from coal, not extracted from the earth, like it is today. In the 1850s, the first windmill was created, designed for the American West. At the end of the decade, the first oil found in the U.S. was found in Pennsylvania. It happened when a homemade rig drilled down 70 feet and came up coated with oil. In 1866, strip mining was invented. Strip mining is a practice where soil and rock is scraped away from the surface so that the mineral below can be removed. These days, this practice is done with heavy machinery, but back in the 19th century, this was done with horse-drawn plows. The remnants were hauled away by manual labor. In 1879, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. By the next year, it could be used for 1,200 hours before burning out. An energy company in San Francisco became the first to sell electricity to customers. In the 1880s, coal-cutting machines were invented. These machines reduced some of the labor done by hand in the mines. The same decade, about 200 companies relied on hydropower for at least part of their energy. Meanwhile, a scientist was attempting to innovate in the wind industry. 
He conducted more than 5,000 experiments while trying to build a better windmill. This new design made windmills more efficient, and 6 million windmills were built nationwide as settlers moved west. By the end of the decade, the first windmill was used to generate electricity. In the 1890s, mass production of cars created a demand for gasoline. This replaced kerosene as the main oil product. It also saw electricity replace natural gas as a light source. In 1891, one of the first pipelines was constructed. This pipeline stretched 120 miles long. It carried natural gas from central Indiana to Chicago. And reports say while it worked, it was not efficient. In 1893, the Austin Dam was built. This dam was the first specially designed to generate hydropower. Two years later, the Niagara Falls Hydropower Station opened. This provided electricity to the local area, but it was soon able to get electricity over 20 miles to Buffalo, New York. At the turn of the 20th century, Congress passed the Reclamation Act. This created a government office to manage water resources and build hydropower plants at dams. In 1905, a hydropower plant was installed at the Theodore Roosevelt Dam. This was originally made to provide electricity to build the dam. However, sales of excess electricity helped pay for the project and improved life for local residents. In 1907, 362 men and young boys were killed in an underground explosion while mining in West Virginia. This is the worst mining accident in U.S. history. Three years later, the U.S. Bureau of Mines was created to reduce accidents in the energy sector. By 1920, there were 9 million cars in the U.S. Gas stations were springing up nationwide. Standard Oil began adding ethanol to gas to reduce engine knocking and increase octane. During the Great Depression, the Roosevelt administration passed sweeping legislation known as the New Deal. This deal encompassed many parts of U.S. business and government sectors, including energy. Part of this legislation regulated public utilities and brought electricity to rural America. In 1941, the largest hydroelectric dam in the U.S. began operating. By the end of the decade, nearly one-third of the country's electricity came from hydropower. The end of World War II brought about a low price of fuel and less wartime manufacturing. This meant ethanol was not as needed as fuel, and its usage was drastically reduced. For the next 30 years, almost no commercial ethanol fuel was available or used in the U.S. In 1945, Congress passed the Atomic Energy Act. This act controlled nuclear energy development and promoted finding peaceful nuclear technologies. As for the 1950s, coal was mainly used to heat homes and power steam trains and ships. A decade later, it was used mainly to generate electricity. In these two decades, the U.S. also began to lay thousands of miles in pipelines. This led to a boom in natural gas markets. In 1954, Congress passed an act to allow private ownership of nuclear reactors. Three years later, nuclear energy was first used to provide electricity to customers. In the mid-1950s, three scientists invented the first solar cell. Solar cells convert sunlight into electricity and are the base of harnessing the sun as a renewable energy. In 1960, geothermal energy was first commercially used in California. A decade later, re-injecting used geothermal water would be found to be a way of disposing wastewater and extending the reservoir's life. Between 1906 and 1970, the demand for natural gas grew 50 times. In 1971, surface mines overtook underground mines as a leading source of coal production, and the next year, deep well drilling improved, leading to deeper reservoir drilling and more access to geothermal resources. In 1973, the OPEC oil embargo came into effect. OPEC is the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. This embargo was retaliation for the U.S. deciding to resupply the Israeli military during the Arab-Israeli War. This embargo banned petroleum exports and cut oil production. It strained the U.S. economy, which was largely dependent on foreign oil, causing gas prices to skyrocket. It brought attention to the energy crisis, increasing the demand for energy independence. The next year, Congress passed the Solar Energy Research Development and Demonstration Act. 
This act led to the research and development of organic materials into fuel, including solar light and ethanol. In 1977, Congress passed the Surface Mining Control and Reclamation Act. This act was intended to reduce environmental impacts of surface mining and required mines no longer in use to be returned to their natural state. 1978 saw an increase in geothermal research and developmental funding. Congress passed the Public Utility Regulatory Policies Act, which increased renewable energy usage in small power projects. It also required that electricity producers met standards of energy sources and electricity. This same year, a hot dry rock power facility was tested in New Mexico. This plant harnessed geothermal energy and began generating electricity two years later. By 1980, the hydropower plant capacity had nearly tripled, but negative effects were being seen in the local ecosystems. Congress passed a series of laws to greater regulate this part of the energy sector to balance business and the environment. These laws also ensured loans for small ethanol producers, price guarantees for biomass energy products, and purchase agreements with federal agencies. It placed tariffs on foreign-produced ethanol. These laws were intended to support the U.S. energy sector and manufacturing, including tax credits for using renewable energy. In 1985, more than half of the ethanol plants went out of business, despite increasing subsidies. By the end of the year, 74 plants remained. These plants produced nearly 600 million gallons of ethanol that year. In the next year, natural gas began being consumed faster than it could be produced. Net imports more than tripled. Over the next 20 years, about one-fifth of all U.S. production happened in offshore sites made possible by new drilling technology. By 1989, nuclear power plants provided 19% of the energy used in the U.S. By the next year, the U.S. produced 1 billion tons of coal annually. Congress passed the Clean Air Act amendments in 1990. This changed gasoline and diesel fuels so that they created less pollution. These cleaner fuels were phased in during the following decade. In this act, natural gas was promoted as a cleaner burning fuel. It increased the use of natural gas in power generation and transportation. 1992 brought about the Energy Policy Act. It called for increased energy efficiency and using renewable energy. It provided a production tax credit and helped smaller utility companies compete with big business. In 1993, the U.S. imported more oil from other countries than it produced. At the turn of the 21st century, natural gas consumption peaked at 23.3 trillion cubic feet. And by 2001, the U.S. produced about 11 barrels of oil per day per well, 41% below the peak of production in 1972. This same year, the U.S. reached an all-time high of consumption, 19.7 million oil barrels per day. In 2005, record-setting hurricanes massively damaged energy infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. This led to Congress passing the Energy Policy Act. This act privatized clean coal technologies to reduce environmental impacts. It also increased the use of renewable fuels for transportation. It introduced new measures to reduce pollution from gas and diesel. That year, gas prices broke $3 a gallon for the first time. Three years later, gas prices would break $4 a gallon during the Great Recession. In 2006, the geothermal industry topped $1.5 billion a year. It created electricity and thermal energy used in greenhouses, food drying, aquaculture, and more. In 2007, Congress passed the Energy Independence and Security Act. This act increased renewable fuel requirements, requiring 36 billion gallons of ethanol and other fuels be blended into gas, diesel, and jet fuel by 2022. Four years later, more than 200 ethanol plants existed in the U.S. These plants produced 13.5 billion gallons of ethanol. In 2014, the use of fracking began to increase the supply of domestic oil. Fracking is a process of hydraulic fracturing, which breaks racks below the surface and releases gases using a high-pressure fluid. This practice is cited as largely reducing the dependence on foreign oil. Projections say that if the U.S. keeps fracking, it could become an oil exporting nation in the next 30 years. Which brings us to today. 
After a record high in 2018, U.S. energy production grew 5.7% and energy consumption decreased nearly 1% the following year. In 2019, the U.S. consumed approximately 100.2 quadrillion units of energy. 80% of the energy used is non-renewable. The remaining is either nuclear or renewable, including the alternative forms of energy we've already discussed. In the same year, production exceeded consumption for the first time since 1957. The U.S. produced approximately 101 quadrillion units of energy. For the most part, the energy industry is reaching record highs in both consumption and production. Natural gas, crude oil, nuclear, solar, and wind production all reached new highs. Coal, hydroelectric, geothermal, and biomass all declined from the previous year. Energy plays an important role in the U.S. society. It powers systems that we use every day, including transportation, shelter, manufacturing, and employment. In 2018, the country spent $1.3 trillion on energy, approximately 6.2% of the gross domestic product, or GDP. The U.S. is the second biggest consumer of energy in the world. With less than 5% of the world's population, the U.S. consumes nearly 17% of the world's energy. It accounts for 15% of the world's GDP. China is the leader in energy consumption. It has 18% of the world's population and consumes 24% of its energy. In comparison, the European Union has 7% of the world's population and consumes 11% of its energy. Around the world, the average person uses about 78 million units of energy per year. But in America, the average American uses about 309 million units a year. That is almost four times the amount of the average person around the world. Today, the environmental impacts of this energy use, both in the U.S. and around the world, is under scrutiny. Energy production and consumption has been associated with hazards like climate change, acid rain, air pollution, smog, radioactive waste, and habitat destruction. Current estimates expect proportions of energy production and consumption to remain largely unchanged between now and 2050. Renewable energy is expected to provide 16% of U.S. energy consumption in 2050, compared to about 11% it serves now. Fossil fuels will account for just 1% less then as it does now. Some experts say this will have numerous negative impacts on the environment, including air pollution and greenhouse gas emissions. The U.S. currently produces 15% of the world's energy-related CO2 emissions. This is expected to decrease by 8% by 2035. It is suggested that reducing consumption protects the environment, but it also can protect the consumer's wallet. It can bring cost savings to businesses, individuals, and government agencies. In a 2021 Gallup poll, 42% of Americans reported they were satisfied with current energy policies. On the other hand, 42% reported being dissatisfied. These numbers have been relatively even and stable since 2014. In 2019, 57% of Americans reported being worried about energy affordability and availability. That same year, 22% of Americans reported the U.S. needs to place more emphasis on coal. 28% reported wanting more emphasis on oil, and 46% said more emphasis was needed on natural gas. On the other hand, half of Americans reported the U.S. needed to place less emphasis on coal. 43% reported less emphasis on oil, and 19% reported less emphasis on natural gas. In that same survey, 70% of Americans said that the U.S. needed to place more emphasis on wind energy. Four in five Americans reported more emphasis on solar power, and about a third of Americans wanted more emphasis on nuclear power. Looking ahead 10 to 20 years, 60% of Americans say that they favor policies that reduce the use of fossil fuels. About three-quarters of Americans say that the energy situation in the U.S. today is either very serious or fairly serious. At this crossroads in the energy sector, there are many questions on how to best address environmental concerns and energy independence. Some say the U.S. should invest more into traditional energy, tapping into natural lands to further energy security. 
Others say the U.S. should invest in alternative energy, creating new jobs and protecting the climate. In today's episode, we'll be looking at both of these opinions. First up, that the U.S. should invest more in traditional energy, like fossil fuel technology and extraction. But before we discuss that opinion, let's take a quick break. And we're back. In the debate about the future of U.S. energy, there is one opinion that the country should invest more in renewable resources. But there is an opposite opinion as well, much like every issue in U.S. culture and politics. People who hold this opposite opinion say that the U.S. should invest more in fossil fuels and the traditional energy sector. And this is the opinion we'll be discussing in this first part of the episode. Modern society is largely built upon fossil fuels. These fuels are a finite resource, and still they make up about 80% of the energy the U.S. uses every day. Fossil fuels are popular because they are versatile. They are used for electricity, heat, combustion energy, transportation fuel, and more. By strengthening the traditional energy industry, some say that technology advancements could be made for fuel efficiency. Kendrick Oyle reports that modern technologies have made it possible to utilize 21 gallons of gas from a 42-gallon barrel of crude oil. This is an increase from being able to utilize just 11 gallons from the same size barrel decades earlier. With further advancements, the industry could continue to make the production and consumption of fossil fuels more efficient. Because fossil fuels have been backed by the traditional energy sector for generations, the processes are developed and cost-effective. The industry is able to produce mass amounts of power for a small price. By further investing in fossil fuels, supporters say that the U.S. will strengthen its energy security. Energy security is the reliable and affordable access to fuel and energy sources. The American Security Project defines it as, quote, the ability for a country to act in its foreign policy independently of how it uses its energy domestically, unquote. In the past, energy security was conflated with energy independence. Energy independence eliminates the need to import fossil fuels and other foreign energy sources. In an increasingly globalized world, experts say that it's not obtainable nor desirable to shoot for full energy independence. These days, the American Security Project says energy security doesn't depend on how much energy is important. It's no longer possible to be truly energy independent since domestically produced energy is also subject to fluctuating global commodity markets. Supporters say that obtaining energy security doesn't come from increased domestic production alone. Instead, it comes from energy flexibility, competition, and redundancy. If an energy source is easily replaced by another source, the U.S. can insulate itself from supply shocks or shortages. The U.S. is currently ranked the seventh most energy secure country. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce found this energy security is, quote, bolstered by large domestic oil reserves and relatively low per capita energy use, unquote. And while increasing domestic production of fossil fuels alone won't solve energy security, the Department of Energy says it will increase security and have numerous economic benefits. Mark Menezes is the former Deputy Secretary of Energy. He said, quote, Oil and natural gas provide more than two-thirds of the energy Americans consume daily. In addition to meeting our energy needs, these fossil fuel resources are integral to our standard of living. This report delves into the importance of these resources, the five key technologies that have supported the industry's advancement, the opportunities for future domestic energy growth, and more, unquote. The report found that oil and natural gas combined are revitalizing the U.S. petrochemical manufacturing industry. This industry supplies high-tech materials, increases gas exports, supports renewable energy, and creates jobs nationwide. Deloitte released its own report about disrupting the energy sector in 2020. The authors wrote, quote, It is the diversity, breadth, and depth of the U.S. energy supply portfolio that currently secures over 85% of our energy supplies. 
How do we enhance the security of the entire portfolio and extend the security to the remaining 10 to 15% using those same principles, diversity, breadth, and depth, unquote. Looking forward at the benefits, supporters of further investing in fossil fuels say it will help the U.S. respond to crises, produce valuable materials, and decrease carbon emissions. They say that each of these things will help create jobs and support energy security. Let's take a look at these benefits one by one. First, proponents say that open crude oil reserves would help the U.S. respond to crises. The Department of Energy's Office of Fossil Energy is responsible for carrying out the mission of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, or SPR. This reserve is the largest supply of emergency crude oil. It was established to increase stability in petroleum supply. The SPR is made up of federally owned stocks stored in the Gulf of Mexico. It can be used to respond to crises involving crude oil disruption or demand loss. For example, when the COVID-19 pandemic first hit, the oil markets crashed and demand dropped around the world. The Office of Fossil Energy reports that oil producers used the SPR to store their oil. Quote, this helped alleviate the pressure on producers to shut in oil production and proved to be a critical asset of American energy and national security, unquote. The U.S. and all countries partnered in the International Energy Program are required to hold at least 90 days of net oil imports. Second, proponents of fossil fuel investments say that using the country's coal reserves produces valuable materials. The Office of Fossil Energy reports that critical materials are elements and materials that support modern technology manufacturing. These materials are critical to defense, homeland security, green energy technology, and electronics. While these materials are not always rare, they are often hard and expensive to separate and extract. Currently, the U.S. heavily relies on imports from China to meet these energy needs. Supporters of fossil fuel investments say that it is time to produce a domestic supply of these materials. A research and development program at the Office of Fossil Energy says that these materials can be extracted from coal resources and its mining byproducts. Research is underway to discover which resources contain the necessary materials. Technology is being developed to reduce costs, environmental impact, and overall consumption. Purification methods are being improved to recover elements. Proponents say that enhancing this program will help secure the energy supply. Tapping into these resources can create new industries and revitalize jobs in coal regions. Finally, supporters say that improving technology and fossil fuel production can decrease carbon emissions. The Department of Energy has been investing in carbon capture, utilization, and storage technology for more than a decade. These technologies capture CO2 emissions before they enter the atmosphere. One example of these projects is Petronova. Petronova is the world's largest coal-fired power plant post-combustion CO2 capture system. This project is designed to capture about 90% of the carbon emitted from a power plant. After the CO2 is captured, it is compressed, dried, and transported to an oil field. Then it's used to boost oil production through a process called enhanced oil recovery. Between 2017 and 2020, this project stopped almost 4 million tons of CO2 from entering the atmosphere. This CO2 was used to produce more than 4.2 million barrels of oil. Three projects, including Petronova, have captured and injected more than 10.8 million metric tons of carbon. The success of these programs is one example in how improving fossil fuel technologies can lead to a more sustainable future in U.S. energy. Which is some of what proponents point to when they support investing in traditional energy to help the U.S. lead climate change efforts. By investing in infrastructure, supporters say the U.S. will be able to further contain and reduce carbon emissions. API is the American Petroleum Institute. They say that the oil and gas industry has an opportunity to be part of the global solution. It, quote, plays a vital role in developing and deploying technologies and products that continue to reduce greenhouse gas emissions while advancing human and economic prosperity 
and that are essential to extending the benefits of modern life to all, unquote. In 2018, the API released a report sharing results from oil and gas investments from 2000 to 2016. In this report, they found that about $301 billion were invested by the industry to mitigate greenhouse gas emissions. That investment led to numerous efficiency improvements, including combined heat and power, advancing vehicles technology, and harvesting shale. Shale is estimated to be found a thousand times more frequently than standard oil or gas, but it is still one of the most untapped resources of fossil fuel. By investing in processes to extract shale, supporters say it could potentially expand how much oil there is available and prolong the use of fossil fuels for years to come. And it appears that investment into traditional energy sectors also benefits the economy and the environment. In 2016, the GDP grew about 1.6% while energy-related emissions decreased about 1.3%. In 2007, greenhouse gas emissions peaked in the U.S. at 20% more than 1990 levels. By 2016, emissions were recorded at less than 3% above 1990 levels, a 17% drop. During this same time period, the GDP grew 87% as measured by constant chain dollars, and the U.S. population increased by 73 million people, or about 20%. Increasing further in technology to increase efficiency and safety of fossil fuel extraction can help the U.S. set precedents in protecting the environment around the world. The API reports that in 2016, the U.S. reduced its direct emissions by more than 57 million tons from the previous year. This is the equivalent of taking more than 12 million cars and pickups off the road. The five leading technology investments are shale gas, advanced technology vehicles, efficiency, wind, and ethanol. The traditional energy sector invested about 7% of their funds and technology into non-hydrocarbon investments to aid the environment, increase productivity, and innovate fuel substitution technology. The API found that about 41% of emission reductions came in fuel substitution between 2011 and 2016. This included improving wells and other technology during extraction processes like fracking. Another 40% of reductions were found in the end-use category. This category mainly describes investments in combining heat and power at refineries, which utilizes steam to create electricity. Experts say that climate change is a pressing concern, but the politics of climate policy make facing this challenge difficult. The parties are polarized on how to best face the changing planet, but some say that investing in U.S. production will aid in efforts long-term. Eliminating oil production faster than demand will lead to more imports, not less environmental impact overall. And if the U.S. begins increasing its reliance on foreign oil, it could lead to energy insecurity and negative environmental impacts. Some critics say that lessening U.S. oil production could increase global prices and thus decrease overall demand. But some proponents of traditional energy say that this may be true short-term, but it would not hold out over time. Quote, The global oil market has a history of strong price swings, as high prices bring out more production that sends prices crashing down again. It's unlikely that decreased U.S. production would keep the prices high enough for long enough to significantly decrease global demand. Unquote. Moving production overseas or relying on foreign oil don't lessen environmental impacts. Rearranging the energy sector to reduce emissions in the U.S. doesn't help if these emissions are simply moved elsewhere in the globe. Instead, supporters of traditional energy say this is an opportunity for the U.S. to be a leader in improving fossil fuel production, and later potentially winding it down when the time comes. Transforming the global energy sector will take time. Trillions of dollars are spent each year to keep society in the U.S. and around the world moving smoothly. Experts say that some uses of fossil fuels, such as heavy transportation and industry, may never be fully phased out. Instead, their emissions may be captured or offset to keep them from entering the environment. 
By investing in the traditional energy sector, the U.S. has an opportunity to be a leader in the industry. The U.S. will be able to demonstrate how to produce fossil fuels as cleanly as possible and encourage other producers around the world to do the same. For example, improving and supporting oil drilling processes can have economic and environmental benefits. It creates numerous jobs in the traditional energy sector, as well as within a wide variety of additional industries, such as shipping, transportation, research, and manufacturing. Proponents say that investing further into domestic oil drilling operations would increase the number of available jobs nationwide. They say it would also decrease domestic energy costs, as the country would need to import less oil from overseas. Some scientists also theorize that there are environmental benefits to oil drilling in the long term. Natural oil seeping out from rocks in the ocean accounts for more than half of the oil pollutants in the sea. This in turn pushes methane gas into the atmosphere, increasing greenhouse gas emissions. It can also create oil slicks on surface water, harming marine animals. Supporters say that offshore drilling can mitigate some of these effects. Quote, oil drilling reduces the pressure of oil reservoirs underground, which greatly reduces the amount of hydrocarbon seepage and the amount of methane gas in the atmosphere. Unquote. Benefits of furthering technology can also be seen in the coal industry. The World Coal Institute found that coal plants built in the 21st century emit 40% less carbon dioxide than the average plant from the century before. The EPA says improvements in technology have also led to declines in other emissions, such as sulfur dioxide, nitrogen oxide, and particulate matter. All of these lead to higher air quality. The Rocky Mountain Coal Mining Institute found that regulated emissions decreased by more than 40% from the 1970s. Coal use has tripled during the same time period. And as for the effects on the ground, the coal industry has reclaimed more than 2.3 million acres of mined lands to their natural states over the past 25 years. This helps restore natural environments and ecosystems across the U.S. Looking elsewhere in the traditional energy sector, there are more opportunities to aid the environment by sealing abandoned wells. Researchers at Stanford University found that abandoned wells in Pennsylvania contribute up to 8% of the state's annual greenhouse gas emissions. By sealing off even 5-10% to of the abandoned wells across the country, the industry could greatly reduce methane emissions nationwide. Many of these wells have been left open and unplugged for years, even decades, and have been emitting methane into the environment undeterred. By investing more money into the traditional energy sector, the industry could plug abandoned wells and reduce environmental impacts. Undergoing this process would help both the air we breathe and the water we drink. Other researchers at Stanford have found a way to make plastic from trapped CO2 in plant materials. They say this could be a low-carbon alternative to plastic bottles and other plastic items. Trapping CO2 and keeping it out of the environment has been a focus of the traditional energy sector since the turn of the 21st century. Remember Petronova, which we discussed a few moments ago. Scientists say that by making plastic out of CO2, you could greatly reduce the carbon footprint of the plastic industry. This can be seen as an environmental benefit from fossil fuels investment. Recycling CO2 using industry-invented processes can lead to sustainable alternatives to a traditional energy and unlock the promise of a new technology. Proponents of traditional energy often point to another benefit for U.S. society, the economy. Fossil fuels are largely consumed and produced across the nation, providing thousands of jobs and powering the world we live in. Coal, for instance, is considered the country's most abundant energy resource. It makes up about 90% of fossil fuel reserves, and at current consumption rates, it's estimated that the U.S. has more than 250 years remaining in its reserves. Experts suggest that coal is essential to the U.S. economy. The Rocky Mountain Coal Mining Institute says that it provides about 30% of the nation's electricity because it is abundant, reliable, and affordable. In states where more than half their electricity comes from coal, costs are generally 30% cheaper for consumers. 
This institute estimates that the average person in the U.S. uses about 40,000 pounds of newly mined minerals, including three tons of coal, in energy every year. Looking at jobs across the country, the U.S. has produced more than 1 billion tons of coal each year over the past 15 years. Nearly 30% of mines nationwide are owned by public companies, which extract 75% of coal. While employment in the coal industry has trended down in recent decades, coal production still accounts for about 150 jobs in coal mining. Experts also suggest that for every one job in the mines, 3.3 jobs are created in adjacent industries such as manufacturing and transportation. In 2016, the National Mining Association reports that coal generated $26 billion in sales and paid $13 billion in wages. Many of these economic benefits are found elsewhere across the traditional energy sector. At the start of 2020, the oil and gas industry employed about 12.3 million Americans. Domestic oil and gas production helps American consumers save an estimated $203 billion a year, about $2,500 for a family of four. The Department of Energy reports that, quote, between 2012 and 2025, the oil and gas industry is projected to provide $1.6 trillion in federal and state tax revenue, supporting the maintenance of schools, hospitals, and public infrastructure across the country. The department also found that the 2019 trade deficit was $305 billion lower than it would have been without the domestic oil and gas industry. They say that the affordability of oil and gas also puts billions of dollars into U.S. manufacturing. This helps bring new jobs, infrastructure, and economic advancements to communities nationwide. Essentially, supporters say that low energy costs support private investment and further economic growth overall. As a recap, supporters of the traditional energy sector say it could help the U.S. lead climate change efforts. Others say it will increase energy security, helping the U.S. respond to crises, produce valuable materials, and decrease carbon emissions. Still, others suggest that it has numerous economic benefits. After the break, we will take a look at the opposing opinion, that the U.S. should invest less in fossil fuels and more in renewable energy resources. But first, let's take that break. And we're back. As we talked about in the first half of this episode, one opinion in the U.S. says that the country should invest more in fossil fuels. But an opposing opinion believes that we should divest from the traditional energy sector and invest more into alternative energy and renewable resources. This has some people asking, what would that look like? And what are the benefits? The alternative energy sector harnesses power from renewable resources such as solar, wind, hydropower, biomass, and geothermal energy. All of these sources are continually replenished by the Earth. Renewable resources are gaining popularity because of their environmental benefits. Sources like solar and wind do not emit carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases that scientists have found contribute to climate change. Around the world, renewable resources produced about a quarter of the planet's electricity in 2018. In the U.S. a year later, these resources produced 11% of energy nationwide. With further investment in this sector, a U.S. Energy Information Administration report found that renewable energy could account for nearly half of the world's power by 2050. And the alternative energy sector is growing. The industry was valued at more than $777 billion in 2019, growing about 10% each year since 2014. Some experts report that the industry is expected to be worth more than a trillion dollars by 2025. Supporters of the alternative energy sector say that investing further into sustainable renewable energy would have the following benefits. 1. The processes are better for the environment, helping reduce environmental impacts. 2. That alternative energy poses unique benefits for consumers across the U.S. and around the world. 
And three, that harnessing alternative energy sources has numerous economic benefits that outweigh the costs. Let's take a look at each of these proposed benefits one by one. First, that alternative energy is uniquely suited to protect the environment and reduce environmental impacts. The American Association for the Advancement of Science reports that about 97% of climate scientists concluded human-caused climate change is happening. And in the U.S., studies have found that about 29% of global warming emissions come from the energy industry. Many of these emissions have been linked with coal and gas production and consumption. National Geographic reports that people have relied on fossil fuels for more than 150 years as a primary resource to fuel modern society. As a result, greenhouse gases released from burning fossil fuels have reached historically high levels. Greenhouse gases are gases in the Earth's atmosphere that trap heat. As they trap heat, the average temperatures on the surface are rising. Shifts are also being seen with extreme weather events, shifting wildlife, and rising seas. In contrast, studies have found that renewable energy emits little to no global warming emissions. The Union of Concerned Scientists says that even when considering the life cycle emissions of clean energy, global warming risks are minimal. Life cycle emissions refer to what is emitted during each phase of a technology's production, manufacturing, installation, operation, and decommissioning. The difference in environmental impact is clear when you look at the numbers. Reports show that burning natural gas releases up to 2 pounds of carbon dioxide equivalent per kilowatt hour, and burning coal emits up to 3.6 pounds per kilowatt hour. On the other hand, wind releases only 0.04 pounds of carbon dioxide equivalent per kilowatt hour. Solar and geothermal energy emit 0.2 pounds per kilowatt hour, and hydropower releases 0.5 pounds. These are vastly different numbers, which suggest that renewable energy poses a significantly lower environmental impact. Supporters of the alternative energy sector say it is time to invest in sustainable renewable energy. This would allow the U.S. to replace high-carbon-emitting energy sources with environmentally friendly options, reducing greenhouse gas emissions significantly. Not all renewable energy is necessarily sustainable. Some critics point to ethanol or hydropower dams as examples where benefits do not always outweigh the environmental impact. But many renewable energy sources are sustainable, and by investing in these sources, it is possible to reduce our impact on the planet. For example, a 2009 study found that installing a 25% by 2025 National Renewable Electricity Standard would lower power plants' emissions by 277 million metric tons by 2025. This is the equivalent of the annual output from 70 standard new coal plants. A study from the Department of Energy's National Renewable Energy Laboratory found that investing in renewable energy could reduce electricity's emissions by about 81%. Another study found that investing in renewable energy could help reduce electricity's emissions by about 81%. Some scientists point to the potential of geothermal energy as a way to lower greenhouse gas emissions. Studies show that the world's resource base for geothermal energy is larger than the base for fossil fuels and uranium combined. By harnessing geothermal energy, there is an opportunity to reduce environmental impacts while innovating power usage in the U.S. and around the world. In addition to lessening greenhouse gas emissions to mitigate climate change, investing in alternative energy can reduce pollutants in the air we breathe. Electricity generates significant amounts of coal air pollutants in the U.S. NAP is the National Academics of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine. It reports that electricity accounts for 18% of nitrogen oxide emissions and 66% of sulfur oxide emissions. These emissions react with the atmosphere and contribute to public health problems, smog, and acid rain. Smog can harm humans, animals, and plants. It disrupts natural ecosystems and can cause widespread damage to crops and forests. Acid rain releases aluminum from the soil, harming forests and aquatic environments. 
NAP also reports that U.S. coal-fired power plants emit 40% of direct mercury emissions into the environment, contaminating the air around us. By investing in the alternative energy sector, supporters say that it is possible to reduce the number of pollutants released into the atmosphere. Solar and wind energy both reduce combustion-based electricity production. They emit little to no direct air pollution emissions depending on the manufacturing process. These industries can improve air quality across the U.S. over time, leading to great environmental benefits. Second, supporters of the alternative energy sector say that renewable energy is better for the consumer and for the country's security. Proponents say that investing in infrastructure for renewable energy will pay off dividends in the long run. For instance, one wind turbine can produce enough electricity to power up to 1,400 homes a year. Biomass energy is the largest U.S. renewable energy resource. It currently uses more than 200 existing plants to produce electricity for 1.5 million U.S. homes. Others point to the potential of solar energy. The sun produces enough light on Earth in just one hour to meet energy demands around the world for an entire year. By advancing how the industry captures and harnesses solar energy, there is potential to solve or efficiently produce seemingly endless renewable resources. Some projections show that solar power may grow to be the world's main power source by 2050. Proponents say that by supporting renewable energy infrastructure, the U.S. can make its power grids more stable and reliable. By relying on resources like solar and wind, these grids are less likely to fail in severe weather since they're spread out over more land and are largely modular, made up of many pieces of equipment. Smarter grid technology and advanced electronics mean operators can reallocate energy from individual systems to where they are most needed when disturbances happen. This can create resilient microgrids, which can prevent a single failure from growing into a large-scale problem. When combined with battery storage, solar energy is lauded as an important asset when facing grid failures. Supporters say that storage solutions can offset everyday electricity costs and establish a reliable source of electricity in the face of system disruptions. Department of Energy studies have shown that adopting renewable energy doesn't even necessarily mean an entirely new grid. In fact, the existing grid can handle high amounts of renewable energy without compromising reliability or performance. One study found that existing grids can accommodate up to 30% of solar and wind power without requiring more infrastructure investments. Another study found that, quote, renewable electricity generation from technologies that are commercially available today, in combination with a more flexible electric system, is more than adequate to supply 80% of total U.S. electricity generation in 2050, unquote. The Department of Energy also found that any maintenance costs created by fossil fuel plants to accommodate wind and solar generation are offset by fuel savings in these industries. These industries also make the grid more reliable, allowing them to maintain high rates in the loss of traditional energy like the closing of a fossil fuel plant. Experts say that solar power plants can provide electricity that is similar to conventional power plants, and in some cases, the power is even superior. Supporters suggest that the cost of solar power is stable, unlike fluctuating fossil fuel prices. Since most of the cost of solar power comes with installation, the price is upfront, and there are no additional fuel costs in operation. Renewable energy is making it possible to extend the electric grid to underpopulated areas and unlikely places. The Solar Energy Industries Association notes that one of the largest users of alternative energy in the U.S. is the military. They say, quote, Solar use on the battlefield and at sea reduces the need for sometimes dangerous and costly fuel resupplies, while solar at a military base reduces electricity costs and, when paired with storage, creates a resilient energy environment in the form of a microgrid, unquote. Investing in the alternative energy sector makes renewable energy competitive with traditional energy sources. Advancements in technology make many systems cheaper to produce. 
Supporters say this may also help protect consumers from rising electricity rates. Studies suggest that, quote, Increased renewable energy generation has the potential to save American ratepayers tens of billions of dollars a year over the current mix of electric power options, unquote. While the transition to renewable energy is not without costs, supporters suggest that the benefits far outweigh the initial cost. Studies have found that renewable energy cuts costs by replacing power plants that are expensive to operate. One study found that by adding 8 gigawatts of wind capacity in New York State, about $1.3 billion in plant operation costs would be saved each year. This translates to about $65 per person served. Aside from the cost benefits for consumers, supporters say there are numerous public health benefits as well. By investing in alternative energy sources, there is an opportunity to mitigate air pollution and other climate concerns. Air pollution creates air that's unhealthy for everyone to breathe. It contributes to many health concerns, including asthma, heart attacks, stroke, lung cancer, reproductive risks, and early death. Some groups are particularly at risk for suffering from air pollution. This includes children, older adults, communities of color, and those with existing health issues. By investing in alternative energy, it is possible to reduce air pollution and limit greenhouse gas emissions. About 90% of people around the world breathe polluted air. In the U.S., studies show that more than 141 million Americans breathe unhealthy air every day. A recent study suggests that more than 12,000 deaths each day worldwide, 4.5 million premature deaths a year, can be associated with problems from burning fossil fuels. By switching from traditional energy to renewable resources, it is possible to improve the health of millions of people across the U.S. and around the world. Some scientists suggest that shifting entirely to clean energy would prevent 3.6 million deaths worldwide every year. And proponents say that reducing pollutants can also prevent unnecessary healthcare and related environmental costs. A 2020 report from the Environmental Defense Fund found that severe weather disasters have increased fourfold since 1980, costing U.S. taxpayers more than $1.75 trillion. Researchers suggest that the frequency, severity, and damage from these events will only worsen if the industry does not curb emissions. And the savings of alternative energy also extend to individual health benefits. A 2019 study found that investing in renewable energy could save consumers up to $2.2 trillion in healthcare expenses. Supporters of alternative energy also suggest that by divesting funds from fossil fuels and investing in renewable resources, the U.S. could increase its energy security overall. ACOR is the American Council on Renewable Energy. In 2018, they published an issue brief that said that renewable energy can contribute greatly to America's national security. Quote, Unlike conventional methods of producing electricity, renewable energy generators do not rely on fuel supply chains that can be disrupted intentionally or by natural events. Unlike combustible fuels, renewable energy does not pose a risk of dangerous leaks or explosions that threaten human health and public safety. Unquote. Switching to renewable energy domestically means there is zero reliance on global fuel supply, which secures the country's energy stores. It also offers a cost-effective, inexhaustible fuel that is easily deployable. ACOR says that since renewable energy is dispersed through the country, the infrastructure is less vulnerable to terrorist attacks. Quote, In cases where continuity of power supply is vital for national defense operations, renewable power and enabling technologies such as storage can be combined to form self-sustaining microgrids. Proponents suggest that by diversifying energy sources, the U.S. will be better prepared in case of national emergency. Instead of relying on trade or fluctuating availability, the U.S. will make greater strides towards a secure energy future. Third, supporters say that investing in renewable energy will greatly benefit job creation and the economy. 
Renewable energy is largely outpacing the traditional energy sector in job creation. The Department of Energy found that clean energy jobs outnumbered fossil fuel jobs at about 3 to 1. And in terms of job creation, the alternative energy sector has created five jobs for every one job in the traditional energy industry. And these jobs offer high wages to workers. Median wages in renewable energy are up to 19% higher than the economy average. Supporters say that entry-level positions pay about $5 to $10 more per hour than other jobs with similar background requirements. Sierra Club is an environmental organization. In 2017, they found that nearly every state in the country has more jobs in clean energy than in the traditional energy sector. Just nine states had more jobs in fossil fuels. While the alternative energy sector is greatly outpacing the traditional industry, job creation is even more apparent when comparing renewable energy jobs with the economy as a whole. In 2017, jobs in the solar and wind industries grew 12 times faster than the rest of the economy. A report from the Environmental Defense Fund found that renewable energy jobs grew 6% annually between 2012 and 2015. The Bureau of Labor Statistics projected that the fastest growing profession in the next decade will be a wind turbine technician. Despite these great strides in job creation, the U.S. appears to lag behind both China and Brazil in renewable jobs around the world. In 2017, the alternative energy sector worldwide employed 8.1 million people, with 3.5 million of those jobs in China. Two years later, that number grew to 4.1 million jobs in China. As for the U.S., 3.4 million Americans worked in jobs in the alternative energy sector before the COVID-19 pandemic. This included renewable energy, energy efficiency, grid modernization, and more. Supporters suggest that investing in the alternative energy sector is a way to continue to support job creation and stay competitive in the global market. Michael Brune is the executive director at the Sierra Club. He says, quote, If we truly want to grow our economy, reduce air and water pollution, protect public health, and create a huge number of new jobs for American workers, we must seize the opportunity that is right in front of our eyes. Invest more in clean energy, including solar, wind, storage, and energy efficiency. Unquote. And voters appear to see the benefits of clean energy in the economy and in the environment. A 2016 poll found that almost 60% of voters strongly support taking action to hasten the development and use of clean energy. When looking at the different segments of the industry, about three quarters of voters want more investment in solar energy. 70% say they want more investment in wind, and 61% desire hydropower. Critics say that a barrier to renewable energy is the upfront cost, but supporters say that the cost is lowering, and that the long-term benefits greatly outweigh the initial price. Research shows that in the long run, the alternative energy sector is more cost-efficient than fossil fuels. One estimate found that wind and solar can be the least expensive energy-generating sources. IRENA is the International Renewable Energy Agency. In 2012, they released a report that found renewable energy to be the most cost-effective solution for powering modern society moving forward. IRENA Innovation Director Dolph Geelan says, quote, A renewable revolution is underway. Recent years have seen consistent, sometimes dramatic, falls in the cost of electricity from renewables, making it the cheapest option off-grid and even on-grid in places with plentiful resources, unquote. The report found that renewable energy has become increasingly affordable as a way to meet electric demands, even without subsidies. And with further investment now, costs will reduce consistently in the long term. IRENA found that biomass power can produce electricity for as little as $0.06 cents a kilowatt hour. Solar power can be harnessed for as little as $0.14 cents a kilowatt hour. And wind can be harnessed for as little as $0.04. Cents. 
These advancements point to renewable energy as a smart fiscal decision in the long term. Once built, studies demonstrate that renewable energy sources produce electricity at a low cost. Since they do not burn any fuel, they are not subject to swings in foreign markets and other fluctuating costs to aid energy production. Energy Sage is an online marketplace for energy solutions. It reports, quote, pegging volatile prices of fuel commodities can lead to very high, unexpected electricity costs that are ultimately borne to the end consumer, unquote. Instead, it says that renewable energy is a predictable source of low-cost energy, which benefits both the end consumer and the industry as a whole. And it appears that within the industry, companies are seeing the benefits of low costs as reason to invest in more jobs. For example, look at the solar industry. Supporters of renewable energy say that American solar jobs have increased 167% in the last decade. In 2019, solar jobs increased in 31 states. About two-thirds of solar workers are employed for installation and project development. Others work in manufacturing, operations, maintenance, and sales. These numbers suggest that there is not only job creation in the setup of renewable energy, but potential for well-paying jobs to maintain and grow the sector over time. Investments in energy efficiency creates jobs and energy savings, which can pay back initial investments and more. The American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy found that, quote, several proposed energy efficiency investments could result in 165,000 jobs per year for four years through 2023 over the lifetime of investments and savings, unquote. It says that these investments would create more than $120 billion in energy bill savings for end consumers. They would also produce more than 900 million metric tons of CO2 emissions. Proponents say that long-term investment could also impact the economy by alleviating climate change concerns. They suggest that reducing the U.S. carbon footprint could save taxpayers $259 billion in global climate change damages. The combination of savings, job growth, and environmental benefits could bring numerous benefits to the economy and to the American people. To recap, people who support investing more in alternative energy believe it will benefit the environment, the economy, and consumers personally. They suggest it will lead to greater energy security, a more stable job sector, and reduce the impact of climate change. On the other hand, people who support investing more in traditional energy believe it will help the U.S. respond to crises, produce valuable materials, and cut carbon emissions. Others suggest it has numerous economic benefits and that it positions the U.S. as a leader in making the fossil fuel industry more efficient and more friendly to the environment. But what do you think? Should the U.S. invest more or less in fossil fuels? Should the U.S. embrace alternative energy? And if so, which ones? Is there a way to balance jobs of the past with jobs of the future? Let me know your thoughts on these questions or anything I talked about in this week's episode by shooting me a text or leaving me a voicemail. You can reach We the Voters at 773-658-9492. You can also email me at wethevotersproject at gmail.com. A quick heads up, your stories and reaction may be used in an upcoming episode or in another part of the We the Voters site. And let's stay in touch between episodes. I keep this conversation going on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find me on Facebook at We the Voters Project, on Twitter at Hi We the Voters, and on Instagram at We the Voters. We the Voters is a project funded by people like you. If you like what you heard today, consider supporting this work with a one-time or monthly donation. You can donate on patreon.com slash we the voters or via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal. Shoot me an email if you'd like to find out more. You can also support We the Voters without spending a dime. Consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or tell a friend about the show. Snap a screenshot of this episode and tag me on Instagram or Facebook. 
These are quick ways that can make a big impact in helping this project grow. Everything I talked about in this week's episode is linked in the show notes. You can find them on the blog at wethevotersproject.com. I'll be back here in your feed next Wednesday with another conversation about U.S. culture. But until then, I'm Emily Kate, and this was We the Voters. We the Voters.